Welcome to Getting Over It with Caddy James, a safe place for abuse survivors and anyone ready to reclaim their power. In this podcast, we'll explore practical tools and techniques for releasing stored trauma from the physical and the energy body, plus have real-life conversations with other survivors to hear how they are thriving now, even after trauma. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Today, I want to chat about finding gratitude in the hardship, in the chaos. When things feel hard, are we able to even feel gratitude? So whether you've been struggling this year, hanging on for dear life throughout the 2020 roller coaster ride that we've been on, just trying to keep your head above water, or if you are healing from a traumatic past, a traumatic relationship, family drama, trauma, or anything else, how do you find gratitude in the moments that feel hard? when you feel hopeless. Back in my previous marriage, when things were crumbling all around me and I could no longer stay positive or hopeful, when I knew I couldn't wait anymore for it to get better, when I realized I have to abandon ship and start over. My list of things to be grateful for might have sounded pretty bleak. My marriage was ending. My then husband was toxic, abusive, an alcoholic, and I was becoming more fearful every day. I had invested so much time and energy in that fantasy, in that marriage, in that family, in that life, and it was over. It had to be over in order for me and my son to survive. I had to end this chapter. What did I have to be grateful for? In those moments when it feels impossible to experience gratitude, it is still possible to feel thankful. But it might not look like what you think or want it to. And you might have to take a few extra steps before you get to the gratitude part. So let's chat about it. Growing up, I loved the movie Pollyanna. Something about it drew me in and I remember vividly her explaining her glad game to the old sickly woman who, I mean, really, was she even that old? (laughs) I think about that now. Oh, the times, the times. But as corny and even aggravating as it might have been to have someone as cheery and optimistic as Pollyanna reminding you to be grateful or be glad when you're pissed off and feel that life has dealt you a crap deck of cards, there was value in her message. And I also believe there is value in allowing yourself to feel the pain, the anger, frustration, and sadness to allow yourself to feel all of those so-called negative emotions. And it might even be necessary 
in order to find those other feelings of thankfulness, of gratitude, of feeling glad. So to first feel the shit in order to find the light. When back in that previous marriage, I was living in Canada. As I've said before on the show, I had no money and almost nothing to my name. In order to buy food, I had to walk to the grocery store, pushing my son in his stroller. And I am not kidding you. It was almost always in the pouring rain, and it was literally uphill the entire way. I am not just pulling the old person card. I had to walk in the cold and the rain uphill. It literally was uphill and almost always raining. I had to buy a special cover for the stroller. It was like a clear see-through tarp or almost like a raincoat for the stroller. So we were no strangers to walking in the rain, going outside in the rain. You really just had to face the rain in order to have a life. It was completely different than the way I grew up in the desert. We still had rain in the desert, but this was just always, it's, it's Seattle weather. Because it was uphill, it definitely made coming back home a breeze. But I only ever had a little bit of cash back then that my father-in-law would secretly give me for food because he knew that if he gave it to his son, he would blow it on drugs or alcohol or whatever else. He would give me some cash and I would go buy whatever canned goods that were on sale, fresh bananas, and whatever fruit that I could afford for my baby. I would load the few items that I had bought in my baby's stroller. Somehow they always just barely fit in that bottom carrier underneath. And then I would walk back home to the apartment. It was primarily rented by drug addicts and people who were really struggling. This was the apartment complex that we were living in. And I guess we really fit in back then. We were struggling. It was an old building. It always smelled like somebody was smoking cigarettes in the hallway. Plus, it was always heavily clouded with marijuana smoke from the other residents. The carpets that led up to my doorway were brown and dirty. They were stained and covered in mud. And I would climb the stairs, dragging or pushing the stroller that was heavy from my son and the groceries in the bottom basket. Opening the door to my empty apartment and rushing inside and locking the door behind me, the only furniture that we had was an old couch that my brother-in-law had found for free. And we had a full-sized bed and used mattress that was left on the edge of the driveway by someone living in my father-in-law's street. I had no toys for my son. We did not have a kitchen table or chairs or anything else to fill the space with. But the carpets inside of our place were new and clean, unlike the dirty brown carpets that stunk up the hallway on my way up. It was my empty but clean sanctuary. I would cook white rice and we would eat it with cream of mushroom soup. We would sometimes have potatoes, carrots, and celery, and I would make a bleak soup and eat it with the white rice. But my primary concern was feeding my baby, so I would eat whatever was left. I made sure he had vegetables and fruit, but it still didn't feel like much. 
We rarely or never had any meat or dairy, but sometimes I had coffee and that was nice. We would sit on the kitchen floor and eat. And I liked that I didn't have a lot of clutter or stuff for my son to get into. So I guess maybe that was me playing the glad game. I'm glad that even though we have nothing, at least my baby, you know, it's baby proof. (laughs) He can crawl around and I don't have to worry that he'll get into trouble, even though he was never actually out of my sight. Eventually, two of the girlfriends that I had met when I was there, we had become instant friends and they came over for the first time. They saw that we had nothing, no toys for my baby, no furniture, no table, just the old couch, which I never actually sat on by choice. I only really sat there when my husband demanded that I get over it and sit next to him until he let me get up and leave, whether that was to go check on the baby, leave the room. But my friends were angels. They saw the empty apartment and immediately started making a mental note of all the extra toys that they said their babies didn't even need. They said they had too many toys anyways they weren't playing with and wouldn't notice that some things were missing. They said, besides, they can play with the toys when they come over here now. So suddenly, my son's bedroom had some wooden blocks, a few books, and several other toys that they gave us. My girlfriend, who also had a baby boy, even gave me some clothes that she said her son didn't really need. I was so thankful for my friends. I cried many days, maybe every day, thinking about how much they had done for me out of the kindness of their hearts with nothing to receive back for their generosity. After this though, we almost never came to my place and they would pick me up and my son and bring us back to their houses. This way I didn't have to walk over because at this point I was walking anywhere I needed to go. If I needed to go somewhere, I was walking with a stroller. At their homes, there was always food for the babies and for us. My son and I would eat until we were full, which I was not used to anymore. The babies had a clean place to play with lots of toys and even backyards to explore when it wasn't raining with bikes to scoot around on, bouncy balls, bubbles, toy trucks to play with. Being at their houses was, it was a safe haven. I was with them as often as possible. I avoided being home as much as I could get away with. I didn't know it back then, but my then husband was running around town with another woman behind my back. I didn't know that that was why I was able to get away with being away from the house as much as I was. He was with her and I thought he was working. Still, he would become upset when he knew I had been gone all day. He'd say, you spent all day playing with your friends while I worked? What did you even do? Is this what I'm working so hard to support you with, spending all your time with other people? He simultaneously hated me having friends and hanging out with them and loved it because it provided his extra freedom to sneak around on me. My life was a disaster, but there were little gifts along the way. And through the storm, I found the moments to be thankful for, however small and fleeting they might have been. I was thankful for my friends, and I didn't know how me or my son would survive without them. I was thankful for their mothers 
who treated me and my son like their own and even bought us clothes and some extra toys when they were on sale or when they find good deals. I was grateful for their homes that felt welcoming and like a gift, a safe haven away from my personal hell that was waiting back for me. I was grateful for their husbands who were kind and who were teaching me by their example of just being themselves, that men who are kind, respectful, and equal do exist versus the dominating, selfish man who treated me like property and had zero concern for our well-being. I was grateful for the old BlackBerry phone that my friend eventually gave me to use after she got her new iPhone 5 so that I could text her and my other friend whenever I needed or call them to come pick us up when we were trying to get away from my husband when he was in a rage. We could make plans now that I had the phone to leave during the day after he left and I could contact them while he was gone. I was grateful for the old beat-up van that my father-in-law occasionally let us drive to the store in the winter when it was freezing cold and dark until 9.30 a.m. and then dark again at 3.30 p.m. And when I was finally getting brave enough to leave and I felt so sad and I felt so defeated and so afraid of what was coming, I was grateful for my son's safety and that I was going to be able to get far away with him and never come back. I didn't care about anything else as long as I could get to safety with my baby. I was grateful that my then husband had been drinking the entire week before I left because that meant he was distracted and ignoring me. And I was able to quietly pack my things without reminding him that we were leaving in a few days. I was afraid he was going to change his mind and that he wasn't going to get the notarized permission for us to go back to the US. I was grateful for my girlfriends again who helped me hide my suitcase in their car until Saturday came when I was going to leave him just in case he changed his mind. And I was grateful when he finally came home Friday night drunk with the notarized document the day before my flight, saying that I was allowed to leave Canada and travel back to the U.S. where my son and I were and are both citizens. I was grateful when they quietly picked me up early that morning while he slept off a night of drinking and when they drove me to the ferry where I would ride 45 minutes alone with my baby and my one small suitcase and then take a taxi to the Vancouver airport. I was grateful that I had met them. They were my soul sisters and they saved my life. And I was so, so sad because I didn't know if or when I would ever see them again. And I thought I had never felt more grateful in my life when I finally made it through airport security and sat in my seat on the plane and put my baby on my lap. And when we landed in Phoenix and I knew I was finally home, finally safe, I cried tears of relief and gratitude. Sometimes it feels impossible to find things to be thankful for. 
sometimes all we can be thankful for is that we know a change needs to happen. And that is a first step. Thankful for each breath. Thankful for being able to stand up in the morning and to be able to get out of bed. Thankful for the sunlight shining on your face, reminding you that there is still hope even in the darkest nights of your life. The nights before I left him, as I prayed, laying in bed, to make it safely to the ferry, to the airport, back to Arizona, praying that he would get me the document so that I would be allowed to leave this prison. I remember lying in the dark in bed with my baby, listening to Set Fire to the Rain by Adele, and I felt hopeful. I was grateful for the speck of hope that I still had left. I wasn't dead yet. It wasn't over yet. I cry (laughs) when I remember how hard it was back then. When I remember how alone I felt and that no one knew how much we were suffering. When I remember how starving me and my son were. Starving for food. Starving for love starving for our basic needs to be met. I cry when I remember how I only weighed 94 pounds and how my body was withering away before my eyes. When I remember how trapped I felt. And I cry now because I feel so grateful. Grateful to be alive. Grateful to have my son with me healthy and safe. Grateful to have found the husband who is my equal partner, the divine masculine to my divine feminine. And I am grateful to have added two additional babies to my heart space and my life. I am grateful that I was strong enough to see what there was to see as hard as I tried not to for so long and to feel what there was to feel even though I had ignored how I was feeling for so long. And to then rise up and find my courage. It truly was the scariest, hardest thing that I had ever done. It felt impossible, but I knew it was possible. I am grateful for my past, for the strength that all of the pain has given me. I am grateful for the chance to be alive here, sharing my story, giving hope to anyone else who feels trapped by their abuser, by their circumstances, by their body. I am grateful for the mess that has become my message. I hope that you can find your courage. I hope that you can remember how to trust yourself. And I hope that you have friends like I had that will help you, listen to you, support you, and not rush you to do anything you're not ready to do yet. 
I want to invite you to take advantage of the free guided yoga nidra meditation that I have created. It's especially meant to release tension and stress from the body. This meditation is supportive to trauma survivors and folks with complex PTSD. It is a gentle way to relax fully, something you might not even remember how to do. I created this yoga nidra for beginners. It is very accessible to you. And if you can lie down comfortably, you can practice this style of meditation. Please follow the link in the episode details. You'll be opting in to receive all of the free tools I have created so far, including this guided meditation, plus any future gifts that I put out. I will not spam you with emails and you can unsubscribe at any time. No hard feelings. So until next time, I see you for who you really are, your true identity, your bright light shining through, and that you are whole and complete exactly as you are. And as we say in Sanskrit, your truth name, Satnam.